0: my grandma has always said it's wonderful that you have so many friends and i agree with her during the pandemic i realized how much i miss seeing the people who make my life so bright and interesting and i wanted to find a way to introduce all of these stars to the world and so i created this podcast you, dear listener, will get a chance to be introduced to those who make my world hum with possibility. We will talk about serious things, silly things, sad things, glorious things, and things that make us feel alive. So settle in. It's just you and me. Hello, everyone. We are back. We are better than ever. We are ready for this. Today I'm here with Allison. Allison, hello. Please tell me, who are you? How do we know each other?
1: I'm Allison, and you and I had the pleasure of going to graduate school together in Denver. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were getting your MDiv, and I was getting my MA in social change, and uh, I worked at the front desk of the school, and you lived at the school, and so we spent a lot of time together, and it was the best.
0: Yes. Um, I just want you to like bring up the dance light part mm-hmm. of, of our life that we had a little dance party. Yeah. Dance that I bought. Yeah.
1: So I worked the late shift at the desk, which was staying up until 10. And I was always scared in the, in the night of being haunted by the ghosts of seminary past. Yes. And so you would come and hang out and mm-hmm. you told me I have this dance party light and it's like a disco stroby yep. light show. Yeah. And I said, prove it. And then you did, you brought the light to, mm-hmm. there was a small conference room behind the front desk of the school and we turned it on in there. I, yep. I mean, we don't, work there anymore so I can say that we had wine in to-go coffee mugs and we had a dance party we did because school is boring and dance parties are not boring
0: right and I'm pretty sure that maybe only one person saw us doing this I think Micah yeah. saw us doing it he was like I don't know what's happening right now but yeah. be on your way um yeah, but tell, those me tracks. Just a, tell me just a little bit more about yourself like who you are as a human mm-hmm.
1: Um, I am the youngest of five children, Um, two are step, but have been step most of my life. I am from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, which is right in between Milwaukee and Madison. I lived there growing up and then went to college at UW-Whitewater, go Warhawks, and then uh, immediately joined AmeriCorps and Triple C. Um, which is the National Civilian Community Corps, and that was to be able to work in communities that I hadn't seen. Um, I had a very small sheltered life. I had a difficult childhood, but um, still didn't see much outside of what I saw and knew, and so AmeriCorps was a way for me to branch out, so I came to Denver in 2010 and traveled to four different cities and well, cities, rural towns, different places doing community service work um, for organizations that requested our assistance. And then that was it. I fell in love with Denver. It was the home base and came here, started working in nonprofits and started grad school and just really haven't left ever since. Very mm-hmm. Denver focused. Uh, my wife and I own the Lady Justice Brewing Company in Aurora, Colorado. -hmm. And it is fully woman founded, Latina founded, queer owned, and we donate profits over cost back to women and girls in the state of Colorado.
0: It's amazing. And then we work (laughs) full-time. And most important most importantly, tell us a little bit about your pets. Ooh. uh, There are three wonderful
1: friends who reside in this home, other than my wife and I. And their names are Hops. He is a black and white tuxedo short haired cat. Mm Blue. She is a German wire haired pointer and lab and border collie mix. Uh, and then, did you get her tested? wait, did you get her
0: tested? How do you actually no. know the specifics?
1: She was adopted from a farm um, okay. where they wanted to send the puppies to a mill or a kill shelter. Oh. And the youngest daughter posted on Craigslist and said, Please come get these dogs before my mom sends them away. And so we got Blue, and our friends got her brother Bowie, mm-hmm. and the girl saved the money to go to equine therapy school, and oh. it's very sweet. It's a so very sweet story. All right. Blue comes from a farm, no. and, and then doesn't act mining. like it now. She's a fancy gal. She's a real city slicker. And then uh, Basil <laughs> is our young cat who sings the song of his people at all times to anyone who will listen, and he's a little little tabby little yeah. tabby guy yeah and that's it they run our world
0: they do they do pets uh, i'm learning that like you know within the last 24 hours that pets rule your world
1: mm-hmm. so
0: tell me about your body let's talk about <laughs> it let me hear your body talk there it
1: is tops and that We're can refer talk. back to the office which is We're gonna... <laughs> all i ever want to talk yeah, well, about but no, i guess we'll talk about my body
0: there will definitely be things about the office that will be included in this but for real, though, we are going to talk about Allison and her bodily journey into chronic illness. Yes, it is. A Tell new, me about it.
1: A new journey and an old journey and a long journey. Um, huh. So I come from, again, I'm the youngest of five, but I have two blood siblings um, and they both uh, have... Are differently abled. Uh, my brother is on the autism spectrum and my sister has ADHD and echolalia. So um, that's repeating what people say. So she didn't do a lot of talking as a kid, just a lot of repeating. And my brother didn't speak till he was six. And so when I was born and the doctors told my mom I was neurotypical, she was thrilled. Um, but unfortunately it just meant, while. Well, seemingly neurotypical, A, I wasn't, and B, it would just <laughs> reflect in other ways in my body later in life. So yeah. um, again, difficult childhood, but that didn't have much to do with um, kind of my body and how it was, how it grew um, yeah. other than abuse as a child. And so that yeah. um, from a, my mom, one of her partners, um, and that left me, I, I think more Willing to not listen to my body, I would say, um, Mm -hmm. listen to pain and listen to different things, just kind of trying to shut things out, not be in touch with my body, not be in touch with, um, what feels right. What feels wrong. Um, just kind of pretty shielded for myself for medical needs, anything. Um, my senior year of high school, I was a runner and was experiencing some pretty severe leg pain and, um, while running on a track, felt something crack and fell to the ground very dramatically. I'm a dramatic person, but okay. at 17, I was a living nightmare. Um, so I went to the ER where they told me after one scan in my very small hometown, you have a massive tumor, it looks like cancer. Um, I lived for three days while waiting for my second opinion, thinking that I was dying and telling anyone who would listen. Thank God social media wasn't a thing, but um, yes. just like a lot of diary writing about it. And <laughs> upon getting a second opinion, the doctor believed that I had osteochondroma, which is kind of like the opposite of osteoporosis is the quick way to mm-hmm. explain it, extra bone oh. growth. Oh, so okay. I had a mass in my right tibia and it broke my growth plate, which was the pain that I felt and the crack that I heard. Um, it was just so heavy as a bone mass in my ankle that the pressure of it broke.
0: Wow! So, yeah,
1: you know, it was gross. I always just thought it was shin splints. And I was like, everyone has that big lump. And then I learned, no, you don't like see shin splints in the form of giant lumps. So right. I had my right tibia removed in 2005 um, and then was in a wheelchair and on crutches. And, um, that was a big moment for me of having to start to learn to listen to my body. Like writing that off as shins once was a bad thing. Yeah. Um, So I lived for years after that, it took, um, I had to get it drained twice just from like fluid filling. It just, you know, not, I was 18 and not taking good care of my body. Um, But that was kind of that. And I started having on and off stomach pain. Um, this will come into play in 2020, but at the time was just a thing of like, oh, I guess sometimes I eat too much cheese. Like I'm from Wisconsin. It's just gotta be, I'm going too hard on the curds. I should scale it back. So I would do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I stopped eating meat around that time, um, and found myself feeling a lot better.
0: You're You're saying this is around like 18, 19 yeah so like in
1: my college years 18 to 22 um Mm -hmm. slowly listening to my body a little bit better but not particularly and also finding that I couldn't seem to like hold my alcohol the way my friends could we'd have the same amount to drink but I would be sick for two days afterward like just kind of thinking like I guess it's just my the way I am and then just right dealing with it pushing it aside moving on
0: um well and we also the only experience that we have is the spirit experience in our body so like Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we assume, oh, well, that's probably what other, you know, it happens to other people, maybe just a more extreme version in our bodies. Yeah. Yes. That
1: is a spot on description. That is something that when it came to the stomach pain, I would say out loud to people like, hey, you know, when, and then I'd describe something and they'd say, no, I don't know that. That's not yeah. a thing that happens to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm currently now like, that's some, that's some therapy stuff of like, oh, okay. I'm just not speaking it out loud. I just thought this was normal. Right. Um in hearing how other people experience different diseases and chronic illnesses, I always thought, well, I'm really lucky I don't have that. And now there are things that I have that are those things. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, huh, Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So fast forward many years ahead, intermittent stomach pain, but that's kind of it Um, up until June of 2019. I was at a new job. I had been there for a couple weeks and I was having some neck pain. You know, when you sleep on your neck funny and you think, oh, yeah. I need mean, like a neck massage because I just slept on a nerve funny. Yeah. And because I live in Colorado, I don't know if this happens anywhere else, um, but it's very Colorado to me. The Whole Foods uh, stores in Colorado have massage tables. And so you can just like go and get a massage at a Whole Foods. That's weird. I think that's Colorado, but it screams, it know. screams Colorado to me. So yes. I assumed it was a Colorado thing. Yeah. Um, so I was, I thought, oh, I have an hour for my lunch break. I'll go get a 15 minute, just like a neck massage, get this, yeah. this neck pain worked out. Yeah. And I went in and I was kind of feeling off and it's one of those sit up chairs. So I sat down in the chair, put my face in the little hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was paper towel over it for blocking pre-COVID times when we just could put our face on stuff and yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. Remember? Yeah. No problems. Um, and I started getting the neck massage and he was kind of working around my shoulders and I was thinking to myself, oh, this feels bad. This doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And I went to try and sit up and my face broke through the paper towel and I saw my arms resting on the massage chair and they were beaded with sweat. Whoa. Um, Which was, it was a moment in my head of, that's weird. Yeah. And I said, or I thought I said, hey, can you stop? Um, But it turned out I didn't say anything. I just made sounds and had been drooling. Um, And I flew back, lost consciousness. Um, And when I came to, I had peed my pants. I had soaked through my clothes, jeans. Mm -hmm. I mean, like wet, like it was raining outside. Yeah, um, and people were filming me which was a tough sight to wake up to really confused um the person so who and I okay the world is garbage and that uh, was okay. the response okay it was right next to the checkout line which was uh, a so like a very public spot for it to happen
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: um so the person giving me the massage had caught me and like you know, as I'd flown backwards, and yeah. another massage therapist had run to get ice chips. Sure. Okay. Uh, I he said, "Hey, we lost you for a second there," and I thought I was speaking, but I don't. I think I was just making sounds. Um, I drooled all over, and I just stood up and left because I was so embarrassed and so yeah. out of it. Yeah. And I got in my car, went back to work, walked in and someone asked if it was raining. That's how wet my clothes were. And it was not raining. It was a sunny, lovely day. And yeah. my boss saw me and said, you sh- I don't know what this is, but go home. So how did great first f- impression. How did you feel
0: though? Like, did you feel Really too-
1: weird. Yes, I felt weird. I, okay. felt, um, I felt like I had like seen myself from above. Like oh, wow. I knew I was being weird and couldn't not yeah. be weird. Um, and I came home and I called Betsy Mm -hmm. and said, can you come here? Something happened. And when she came home, she said, you look green. Like you, your skin looks weird. Call a doctor. Yeah. So I did just that called the doctor, called just my general practitioner. And she was like, yes, come in. Yeah. So she, after that description said, maybe you're having really bad tension and we should, maybe it was just syncope. Like some people, when they hit a nerve funny, they faint um sure, sure. and that that could be what this is let's get you into physical therapy and see if she can work anything out with some nerve pain and i said that sounds great yeah. so i go to physical therapy it was great as a former runner who was kind of slowing down running wasn't feeling good anymore and i was a distance runner mm-hmm. um it was really good to have someone be like here are the things that are unaligned because of running here are the things you can do to strengthen parts of your body that were diminished during running so like not paying attention to your upper shoulders neck and back and like good posture and those little things Mm -hmm. so physical therapy was fabulous um and I thought I was in the clear and then two weeks later the same thing happened
0: yeah um
1: so I had similar episodes and I had taken notes on them so July 14th you
0: say similar you're saying fainting in some capacity
1: yeah losing consciousness or browning out so like being aware of what's happening around but not being able to speak do anything muscles getting stiff and stuck
0: um with any with any like impotent like because i mean the massage might have brought it on but at those points was there anything that was happening to you that was causing this no so
1: some of them would happen when i was laying down relaxed in bed some of them would happen um one happened while I was a passenger in a car, one happened when Betsy and I were at a business meeting for the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, just all over, any, another Whole Foods, which it's probably a sign I shouldn't go to Whole Foods, but um, just multiple, multiple places, nothing uh-huh. that seemed to trigger it. And when it happens, um, not, sometimes fully losing consciousness, most times not, but yeah. um, not being able to speak Drooling and lots of sounds, um, stuck jaw, very, um, like, and I'd be really tense. um, Okay. Very confusing and frightening. And afterward, there were things I didn't remember, but Betsy had started to smartly take notes and just be like, okay, let's see if we can connect a pattern. So I had episodes after that first one in June, July 14th, 15th, 27th august 2nd 7th 11th 14th 23rd and september 4th and then i had two two after that but all during that time i had gone to see my doctor again who sent me to the er twice both er visits um and i had this stomach pain that would come intermittently as well and my doctor was like maybe it's appendicitis So not the first time I had heard that I've gone to the ER in the past four years, five times for what doctors have said is appendicitis. It has never been appendicitis. So I hit a point where when I went in, um, in August, no, it was July. It was July right before my birthday. Um, I said, Hey, I'm here. I'm having these episodes. They're kind of like seizures. They're kind of like fainting. I don't know what they are. Uh, but a neurologist wants to see an MRI and a CAT scan. They did a CAT scan and the doctor came and sat with me in the hospital room and said, if you had not told me your age, I would have guessed you were 20. Your body is fit and healthy. You have something massively wrong neurologically Mm -hmm. and you, you need to go get that taken care of. And I cried in that.
0: Good luck. Like cried
1: in that ER, I mean like that's ER, that's what I'm learning. Also ER doctors are meant to solve the problem immediately if needed, yeah. otherwise send you to the place who can do it. Okay. So I've learned to not hold anger about the ER because I've spent a lot of time there this year. Uh, so, so
0: this is, so all of those episodes are this year? No, not all of those episodes were last year. Okay, great, great.
1: But um, So yeah, 2019. So
0: okay.
1: um, early September, I, was headed to the neurologist and began to have an episode. When they happen, they last a long time, usually half hour to 45 minutes. And so Mm -hmm. Betsy was able to get me in the car and strap me in. At that time I bit down on my cheek. um, And when it happens, I can't move my jaw. So I was just bleeding out of my mouth, but like nothing we could do, just driving in traffic across like rush hour Denver to get to this neurologist. And I got there, the nurse got me out of the car and my neurologist seeing it was the best thing that could have happened. So she yeah. was trying me out on some anti-seizure medicine and nothing yeah. was happening. Right. And she said, she, so I went in, she gave me a, something magical I put under my tongue. And I was able to start speaking within like 25 to 30 minutes versus wow. hours after. Yeah. Um, it really just wow. would do me in. And she said, this is great news in the fact that I can diagnose this you're having a complex migraine that presents a stroke. So your body begins to have a stroke. So you get stuck in a feedback loop of here comes a stroke, here comes a stroke. So your body starts to do the thing, but gets stuck in stage one. Mm -hmm. And then when it's sending out this panic message through CGRP receptors, it's telling your body something's happening, something's happening. And then suddenly someone responds from inside and says no like you have receptors that say no 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 Mm -hmm. she's fine and then you Mm -hmm. stop and when I stop that's when like I pee my pants that's when I like lose the tension in the body
0: yeah
1: like everything that I've been holding just drops and so her seeing that was really useful Mm -hmm. and so we started on testing out different drugs um for that and for anyone who's been on a chronic health journey drug testing is really frustrating because it's your body that is the vessel used to do it. Um, I know it's important and I know it has to happen. Um, but the pharmaceutical companies and the way that insurance works makes it really difficult to get you to the place you need to be a lot of the time. So I had to take medicine that would make me sick, gave me fevers. Um, I had serotonin syndrome, which is an overdose of serotonin, um, because they make you try an antidepressant as a CGRP blocker first. Mm -hmm. And when you're not chemically depressed, it gives you too much serotonin, um, which is really frightening. And it took me months to have to taper off of that pill. So, and it failed. So it was like a double whammy of you're going to go off of this and people there's high suicide attempts. There's, I mean, it's scary stuff all within your own body of which you already feel like you're losing control. Yeah. Yeah. So last fall was
0: at this point, would you, would would you have classified yourself as being chronically ill? No. So at this
1: point it was, a. it was really confusing to me that this felt like it came out of nowhere, but after talking Uh for a long time with my neurologist about signs and symptoms of chronic migraine that presents a stroke, mm-hmm. I would wake up and my jaw would be locked. Mm-hmm. Um, I would walk into a room and not like there's symptoms of and signs of ADHD of like, you walk into a room and you forget why you got there. I would walk into a room and be like, what, how long have I been awake? Like, I like just gaps of time. Um, So these different signs that she said, sometimes the body hits a point where it can't do the small signs anymore and it's gotta do the big stuff. Um, And she's like, I think that's where you are. I've been having moments like that since I was a teen, but thinking to myself, like, I'm just dumb. And like, it's just a girl thing. Like these were the excuses I would tell myself that were not real um, to not be connected to my body, to not respond to my body, trying to tell me something out of my own trauma center of push it away. Don't worry about it. Um, I had an ill mother. She Mm. passed away unexpectedly in 2017 and used a lot of prescription medicine to deal with issues um, from that abuse, from different health and medical things. And I I still fear it, but not as much, but I feared when this was starting to happen, am I, am I becoming like her and am I gonna yeah. die? Yeah. Um, it was a lot, there's a, and I still have those moments, but they're fleeting um, mm-hmm. because I'm being proactive and doing more holistic things. Yeah. But it's, that's really frightening. My mom was chronically ill and chronically dependent on prescription medicine and alcohol to deal with her pain. And yeah. I, fear that, but yeah. know that I'm currently not on that path.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's a difference between medicine that m- makes you not pee your pants in a Whole Foods yeah. and uh, medicine to help you sleep or help, like, right. and that sounds, I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying for right. me in the right. way that my family and addiction mm-hmm. goes, it's not for me. Yeah. So yeah. at that point in September or September through December was knocking out medicine. And finally a new drug had just hit the market. Um, There were three versions of it and it is an auto injector. So it's similar to an EpiPen where you have to stab it and it goes intramuscular. So it's a deep -hmm. deep injection. Um, I had failed two drug trials and therefore became eligible for it. And I received my first injection November 20th, 2019.
0: Congratulations on
1: failing. I did it, I failed. And it was the thing I needed to do because those injections have been life-changing. I had my last massive episode was October 15th, 2019 at a Lizzo concert which was a really unfortunate place to have one. Um,
0: Oh, but why would that have have been? Is it because you met her? I I
1: had met her in May. So let's be clear. Apologies, this is my second time seeing Lizzo but I got to be really close to her again because I was in the backstage ER. Um, so that was nice. I could just like That's hear her and her you dancers, know. <laughs> you know, fine. You're like, remember um, me? Hi. Yeah, it's me, Allison from I Met You. Um, me, and have it, like the scary thing when those things happen, huh. you know, they tried to put me into an ambulance <clears> and I didn't have the ability to tell them I know what's happening. I have an emergency drug in my bag. If you could just get it for me and put it under my tongue. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was a very frightening, it's just frightening to lose the ability to self-advocate. Yeah. And so November, the injection started. I had one small episode, April, 2020, very small um, at home because of COVID. And mm-hmm. I was very fortunate and I came out of it really quickly with the new medicines that i have so that's a plus i have not had anything since april right. um
0: so and I we're, kind recording, of went, we're recording this in december because it probably won't come yeah. out right
1: away so yeah, yeah so recording awesome. in december so it's been i've been really fortunate and at that point i thought to myself this is something i feel okay living with um mm-hmm. and it might not be a forever thing, but it's a for now thing and yeah. So my wife has to administer injections once a month. They are very painful. Um, That part is not normal. So from my neurologist's understanding and what is leading more to the chronic illness side, these injections should be uncomfortable. But when I get them, they are, the pain is blinding. It is from the tips of my toes to the top of my head. It Mm -hmm. debilitates, I scream, um, I've always been like this with needles and I don't fear needles. It's just mm-hmm. when, when I have an IV line placed, when I'm getting blood drawn, my veins collapse. They, it feels awful. Um, yeah. I bruise, I, I've almost fainted from pain and I feel like I handle pain well. So it's very confusing to me. Like I can get a tattoo just fine,
0: yeah. but a
1: needle in the skin to the vein
0: yeah.
1: really hurts. Um, that's not normal. Okay. And my neurologist has said time and time again, Hey, we're working on an intravenous clinic for people with, you know, similar disorders. Mm -hmm. And last week, uh, she cleared me and put in for my insurance to be able to move me to quarterly infusions versus the monthly injections, which is really big. Um, that's amazing. life-changing for me, for my relationship, for my wife who has to stab me and then feels really bad about it. It's been, yeah. it's tough, but man, does it help. I was feeling so sick yesterday. And I was like, it's cause my injections tomorrow. And I'm just like at the end of the cycle of needing the medicine. So like yeah. I'm starting to, now that I'm paying attention to my body, I'm starting to learn and listen. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. So
1: I feel like things are good. I'm just cruising. I'm still having some intermittent stomach pain, but I'm like, ain't no thing. I go in July for my annual, just like checkup pap smear screening. And around this time, my sister um, has found a lump in her breast and she has a history of cervical cancer. And so that, and she's young, she's a year older than me. And she called to tell me and said, you should go get tested. So I talked about this with my doctor and she said, absolutely, let's get you a referral for a genetic test. And they just basically go through and tell you, Hey, here's some stuff we might see. And Hey, while we're at it, um, you know, she's just doing her regular check and regular pap and she touched my stomach and I was like, it hurts so bad. And she's like, this might be appendicitis. You should go to the hospital. And I was like, if you tell me one more time, this might be appendicitis. You should go to the hospital. I said, I'm not going to the hospital. It's just like my stomach always hurts when you touch right there, kind of like lower above the pubic bone, like pelvic area. Yeah. Well, then like two weeks later on a Sunday night, Betsy and I went to go get ice cream from little man ice cream in Denver. (sighs) If you, if you know it, you know it. I got salted Oreo. It is that ice cream every other ice cream is an ice cream in comparison. Like there's little man, and then there's like all the other ice cream in the world.
0: I agree. It's just
1: an ice cream fact. And I started to feel so sick afterward. And I was like, do you think there's something wrong with the ice cream? And Betsy's like, no, I feel great. I just had ice cream. Ice cream is the best. You are wrong. Uh So that started Sunday evening and debilitating pain followed me through Tuesday morning when I finally was like, something doesn't feel right. And so I called telehealth and said, hello, I'm having this stomach pain. And then they were like, do you know what? This sounds like appendicitis. And I was like, do you know what? Fuck you. Um, And um, he said, I'd really prefer you go to an urgent care. Now this is like July, August. This is when COVID testing is becoming more widely um, like accepted and there's more locations for it. So I went to an urgent care and they had a COVID section and a non-COVID section. And I was the only person sitting in the non-COVID section, um, which was like a fright. It was just a very frightening time to be sitting in a medical space. Um, and I went in and the doctor had me lift up my shirt. And when he touched my stomach, I grabbed the wall because I thought I was going to go down just the physical touch of a hand on yeah. my stomach and like yeah. lower above my pelvis I was like I can't think yeah and he said your stomach's hot physically warm that's strange and he said I think there's something wrong but hospitals are really flooded right now with COVID cases and I think he said I'm going to send you home with a prescription for a stomach virus bug pill um okay he said, I just if you take it tonight and you don't feel better tomorrow you need to go to the hospital and I said okay. And that, at that point I was like, sure. So fast forward to Thursday, I go to the brewery to do some video editing and Mm -hmm. I could not stand or sit to film. And Betsy and Laura Ralston were both there and said, listen, we're all done with this. We're going to take you to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so Betsy took me to the ER and this is when the brewery could still be open. So she ended up going back and it was packed for new girl trivia that I was supposed to be hosting that night. I thought I was going to be in and out of the hospital. This was at 11 in the morning.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I checked in and they said, what's bringing you here today? And I said, I have debilitating pain and it's not appendicitis. And I don't plan to leave until you tell me what it is. Yeah. And that attitude was the right one to have. So um, okay. they... I mean like touching my stomach, it felt physically hot. They were really concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And so I had a transvaginal ultrasound done after they discussed, should we do a regular? Should we do a transvaginal? And I said, mm-hmm. I actually just had like a PAP and everything came back abnormal. So my PAPs were coming back abnormal. They do a second PAP and say it was normal. Mm-hmm. And that's been happening for years. And so they said, let's do the transvaginal ultrasound which is just an internal ultrasound with a giant stick is the best way to describe it. I, from the pain I was in, I mean, like I couldn't have my pants on, putting on the hospital gown and having it rest on my body was awful. They gave oh. me a shot of morphine. Yeah. Morphine is quite simply the tops. I
0: It's a hell of a drug.
1: The first time in these the years of this stomach pain and the years of my... <laughs> head pain and issues that I didn't care the pain was there but I couldn't be bothered by it and um and like that's that to me you know I come from a family with addiction issues and I was like I get it I never could understand I was like drinking makes me feel bad and like I don't understand gambling and like all these different things but like yeah yeah, I get it where I'm like if you were in pain holy shit life-changing um So I had the ultrasound and the whole time it was being done, she just kept saying, getting really clear pictures, getting really clear pictures. And it was very strange that she just kept talking yeah. um, and, and saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, I know you're in pain. Um, the doctor came back in the room and it was a different doctor. And he said, hi, I'm the radiologist. And I just took a look at your files. And uh, so your fibroid on top of your uh, uterus is dying and that's what you're feeling. And I said, my what? On um, my what? <laughs> And he said, oh, you didn't know. You have, I think, like pretty clearly endometriosis. You, you have a fibroid that's losing a massive amount of blood and it's cutting off blood circulation to your uterus. And that's the pain you're feeling. You're going to need to have surgery. Let's get you scheduled up. I was so shocked. I don't, yeah. I didn't know what a fibroid was. I was like, I think yeah. I have a general clue of where my uterus is, but I <laughs> thought this was my stomach. Mm-hmm. And he said, Well, we can do a CT to check for appendicitis. And I said, Why don't we just not do a CT and we'll just say it's a fucking fibroid, whatever that is? Right. Um, I left the hospital and planned for surgery for endometriosis, which I was like, I don't know what that is. I'll wait. Um, I went in and met with the surgeon, and she explained to Betsy and I, Well, we see this fibroid's not large enough to be feeling the pain you are feeling. Like I'm shocked it took you to the ER. She said, so there's two types of surgeries we can do for endometriosis, abolition and, uh, ex- hold on, and uh, excision. Okay. And I think we should do excision. That's removing it versus burning it. And she said, ablation is kind of going off to the side because excision is so successful. And she said, I won't do it on your bowels. And I'm just sitting there thinking, what the hell are you doing surgery on? So she said, do you have any questions for us? And Betsy raised her hand and said, what is endometriosis? Because (laughs) we both assumed it was a syndrome, like a, a thing in which caused pain, different things. And we were wrong. Endometriosis is when your uterine lining, instead of shutting down, which is what a period is, It sheds up, up and loosely into your body onto anything it can cling to. So, I had never considered endometriosis as an option because I've had a normal menstrual cycle my whole life. Um, Right. Right. Three to five days, uncomfortable, but, you know, take some CBD, take some Advil, and you get through it. So, it normal periods. Abnormal periods are like the first sign and symptom for a lot of people. And I was like, I don't have that. I just have intermittent stomach pain. Mm-hmm. And she said, We'll see what we see. I'd be shocked to find stage one. We might just find fibroids. There are four stages of endometriosis. And she was like, Maybe you'll be at stage one. Okay. We'll take a look. We'll see. Okay. I left the hospital and out of an abundance of uh, caution, went and got a COVID test. And my COVID test came back positive. So everything went on hold. Um, I had no symptoms whatsoever, Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Still, you, yep. Positive test is a positive test. Um, you know, my surgeon was eight months pregnant. Um, so alerting her alerting anybody I had seen closing the brewery for two weeks, which yep. we did not have to do, but chose to do, um, to keep ourselves and our people safe. Yep. And so I sat in my basement for two weeks scared out of my mind, knowing that when I left the basement, I would have surgery. And that's exactly what happens on my freedom day, which is what they call the day you're allowed to leave the house. Um, Mm -hmm. I left the house and went that morning and had surgery. So surgery during COVID is terrifying, awful, uh, would not recommend if you can avoid
0: it, please do. Um,
1: you know, you're alone for a lot of it you wake up alone. I woke up and didn't remember COVID was a thing and tried to tear my mask off. Cause I was like, what the hell is on right. my face? And nobody would come near me. It was very, cause they try to keep their distance from you for your safety, you've just been cut open.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I went in and we assumed the surgery would be somewhere around 20 minutes and it was hours. Yeah. And so Betsy was not expecting that. We left and it was night. Um, yeah which was very shocking. And it took a long time to get started because they could not get my veins to stay up enough to get the IV going. That's how bad this like vein and um, pain issue is. Before the surgery, I had gotten word um, from the results of the genetic testing that I had taken that I was high risk for breast cancer Mm -hmm. and the recommended uh, move would be a mammogram and then potentially double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And connective tissue disorder. Mm -hmm. This was something that showed up in family history and then through blood and spit tests that I had taken and connective tissue disorder. The most common one that people know of is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So really stretchy skin, um, hyper or hypo extension of bones, which I have. So I cannot straighten my arms or legs fully um, all my life and I've been made fun of and in cheerleading I they'd be like Allison high V and I'd be like I can only make a high W that's as far as my arms bend um the bone disease and then really small little things um gums bleeding without gingivitis um just these the veins collapsing all of these simple signs um y- early onset glaucoma these different things that I have all lead down this path so this is all in the back of my mind during surgery and I'm trying to tell them this while they're putting in the IV and they're like oh yeah that would track if you had Ehlers Danlos okay and then they used a special numbing cream and they were able to get the IV in and I was like why is everyone not getting numbing cream (laughs) (laughs) because not everyone has the extreme issues that I have so post-surgery they don't really talk to you you're pretty out of it they just kind of they wanted me to stay overnight and I said I'd rather go home so glad I did on my You know, I went home that Friday, we made it through the weekend. Post um, laparoscopic surgery is difficult. And my doctor ended up going up. It's usually just three small cuts, the belly button and then two by the pelvic bone. She went up to my ribs um, because she was finding endometriosis up higher and higher. It can travel to the brain. So she's like, you check as far as you can go. Um, She called me that Monday and said, "Allison." (laughs) i spent so much time with your rectum on friday which was the most insane sentence i dropped my phone (laughs) no one's no one will say that to you in your life that's a guarantee i can give you dear listener no one's gonna say i spent so much time with your
0: rectum unless you're very very special like you
1: yeah yeah special is the word um So she said that she found stage four endometriosis, stage two deep infiltrating endometriosis and partial frozen pelvis. And that meant that the endometriosis, the shed, the shed lining had webbed. So that's when it gets really bad. It becomes thick and almost like a muscle wall. And it had tied my rectum, my uterus, my fallopian tubes, and both ovaries together to become one body part. So she had to take all of it apart. On top of that, I had two hemorrhages and was just bleeding internally, small hemorrhages. And then um, other fibroids, other than the one on my uterus were found on my bladder. And so she said the surgery was massive and, she said at your stage and level, we will be doing this surgery again. So prepare for two to five years forever until you stop menstruating. Yeah. They inserted an IUD to try and level it off and then started me on oralissa, which is a the only approved medicine for endometriosis and the final thing that the surgeon said was I need you to take the files I'm going to send you and I need you to send them to the genetic clinic that you're planning to go to I saw signs of connective tissue disorder
0: oh wow
1: so she confirmed what that was kind of my moment of this is chronic illness this it was a big train big freight train of So all of these aren't one-off things the way that I've thought that they were. And when I say sentences to people, so I'm a relational person. I love talking to people and getting to know them. And part of my relational conversations that I look back on now when I'd say, hey, you know, sometimes girls, when you sit, but then it feels like a lightning bolt went from your butthole to your nose. And people are like, no, I don't know what the hell you could be talking about. Right Now I'm looking back and being like, oh, that's endometriosis.
0: Yeah, that's because everything was feeling. one. It was, yeah. it was a, just a big fist of fun down there.
1: Yeah, so it's, I'm at this point now. Um, my next steps, I will be traveling to Baylor in Houston in mm-hmm. February of mm-hmm. 2021 to meet with, there are like three adult geneticists who work on connective tissue disorder in the United States. There's one here in Denver, but they have a three-year wait. And the words used by the genetic counseling team were, we don't think you should wait any longer. Yeah. So I joined his waiting list, but got into Baylor. And then the other option was in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. And Baylor just seemed, I mean, they, they got back to me the quickest and ha- they have a good reputation for this connective tissue disorder stuff. Right. So I will be heading there for a first exam um, and bringing family history items, my ancestry, DNA stuff, anything that I have Mm -hmm. to work to diagnose. Connective tissue disorder is not easy to diagnose. Okay, There are multiple forms, but it would move me into an immunocompromised category. Um, And again, May of 2019, I had just run a half marathon. I was... You know, we owned our brewery. I was out hanging out. I just, this this life that I'm living today is not what I expected. Mm -hmm. But I'm very grateful to have learned that listening to your body, which was something that I was trying for so long not to do, thinking I was keeping myself protected Mm-hmm. From the outside world, was yeah. you know, take the time and it's exactly what you said, Julie. You only know the body you're in, right? And right. if something feels off, mm-hmm. start start working to find out what could what could make it feel on track again.
0: Um, and that's what I think is the most fascinating thing about bodies is that even though we only know our existence all of us know when something feels off. Like there's okay. some there's something that goes on where it's like, wait a second, like I need to like take a step back. But the problem is whether or not you decide to investigate or you're just like, eh, that wasn't anything, right?
1: Yeah, had I not, I mean, both of the times that it was, okay, hospital was fainting in a Whole Foods and um, the endometriosis, I dropped to my knees going to tell Betsy about the telehealth appointment and I fell unexpectedly. I had a lightning pain and I dropped, I mean, I'm a grown ass woman and dropping to your knees unexpectedly is a very painful thing that left me with massive bruises. Yeah, It just, I fell and she said, oh, I think we should listen to him and you should go to urgent care. Um, Those when your body is trying to alert you, you can only go so long before it's going to not let you do anything but listen. Um, and I've learned think, that lesson.
0: I do think something that you alluded to that's so difficult about this is that there's a, when you're going through the hospital, when you're going through a medical, you know, situation. Most of the time, people are much more generalist. And so you can say, this is how I feel. But if you're not advocating yourself for yourself, and also if you wouldn't have shown up to that one appointment in a, in your actual state of like, mm-hmm. you know, you being sick, like where would you, this is where it's crazy because it's just like, in some parts, it's like you almost have to get to the worst to like- yep to get anywhere, um, yeah. which, which I think is terrifying. And so I guess the last thing that I'd like to ask you and thank you for sharing this. I mean, I know it's been hell. <laughs> I'm
1: having a great time. I don't know what you mean. I know,
0: great. But what are you, What where do you like in your brain, like where, where do you kind of find excitement and hope and like, you know, joy from the body that you're in? So I think...
1: <clears throat> the, the biggest piece for me, um, I mean, therapy has been wildly helpful In uh-huh. I spend a lot of time fearing that I will become my mother, um, who passed too soon because she let things take over, um, because of the mental state in which she was in. And the joy that I find is that, um, even on my high pain days, which like yesterday was a high pain day, and I still was like, I'm gonna curl my hair to go on a Zoom call for Julie's birthday because that's fun for me. Like, so I'm yes. finding I'm finding little joy. It's really difficult to do during COVID. Um well, right. it's, it's right. very, you know, I'm very fortunate to live in a house with another person and with pets, but it I it's very isolating to not be able to share in this experience. And so I'm finding I talk about it more and I find endometriosis affects one in 10 women. So I'm needing more people who have it. Um, the limited amounts
0: it- of information about women's illnesses is the most crazy shit that like anything yeah. that happens to our body, it's like, oh yeah, like I know seven people who had, like when you told me that you endo, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, There's like four or five of my friends who have it. And it's like, why the fuck don't we talk about this stuff? How did I not
1: know what it was until three months ago when I had full-on surgery with a hole in my damn belly button? I don't know, but here we are. And now the joy that I find is in talking about it. And then the joy I find is in not talking about it. And I mean that not in the way that I used to, which was push pain aside, um, power through it, don't yeah. admit it's there and then it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, hey, I'm having a high pain day, but I also am gonna go on a walk and I'm gonna yeah. go get, you know, coffee yeah. at the coffee shop and yeah. enjoy this walk. And maybe I'll be bleeding, but I'll be okay. It's, you yeah. know, it's yeah. I'm still, it's new. It's new. But it's now a forever thing. It's not going away. And I think coming to terms with that was really difficult Mm -hmm. and still is difficult. There are days that I wake up and I'm like, "Who, who put me in this body? Because this is not the life I was planning to lead. However, I think that I can learn what's best for my body and learn how to manage pain in healthier ways than I've witnessed in my own family. Um, and kind of that's breaking generational cycles. And I feel really lucky that I get to do that. Some parts of this are genetic and it's who I am and that can't be changed. That's, that's okay. So how can I break the generational cycle of abuse starting with me? And that's kind of like an exciting forefront, if not daunting.
0: And I know that, I mean, the death of your mother was just so hard and and such a such a shocking trauma, but in my optimistic viewpoint, always like it's almost like she gave you a little bit of a gift where it was kind mm-hmm. of like you you know this is you're you were now looking back at her life and going shit like I could follow in this I I, I might right but I am giving myself the permission to try not to right and and I just think yeah. that that's really that's a power. I, I don't, I hope that doesn't sound crass. Cause I don't mean it no, that way, not at like, all. I think that when we see people that we care about and love and are like, you know, our beacons and we go, Oh my God, like I could be that too. You know, it's almost like a gift for them to, to have lived and for us to be like, fuck, like I need to mm-hmm. rein this in and figure this out. I don't know. And that's exactly it.
1: Like I watched her push things down for years and years <laughs> and it, played out really poorly for her. And yes. you know, now she's missing out on watching my niece grow up. Now she, you know, she's missing these things and I'm super unwilling. The amount of babies born in 2020, that post-vaccination I'm gonna snuggle in 2021 means I have to get my house in order, right? Mm-hmm. So like, that's, it's truly the way I think about it. I, I can go back to the things that I love in a different capacity but i can go back to them and yes. i just have to do it in a way that ensures that i'm taking care of me first yep. which is not how i function as a panicked caregiver enneagram type two who wants to do all the things and get everything in order like i have to do it for me first and then right. i can do it for others
0: and that's yeah and have scary. to believe that that's not selfish yeah that's <sighs> how i feel too Ooh, it's tough all right, well, we're going really long, but I don't care. Um, now it's your time to ask me a question.
1: Any question?
0: Any question that you want. And I don't mean to like cut off your story, but you know. The story won't
1: ever end, and maybe I'll just <laughs> come into a repeat forever. every three months. It's <laughs> fine. Um, OK, any question? You wake up tomorrow. The pandemic has ended. Mm-hmm. And you get a phone call and the phone call is your dream job that you thought you had made up in your head. What okay. is this dream job?
0: Oh, you know, what's interesting is that there's been like hints of this question with other questions, but this one specifically has not been asked. Like, like it's been kind of like, if you had, you know, all the money in the world, whatever, like money wasn't an option, what would you do? And I, I. I hate to say this, but I don't know if I could say, I wanna be X, Y, Z, but like, my answer always goes back to helping or working with kids who are either chronically ill, foster, I mean, like marginalized community kids, not just not just in like an, um, a um, racial way, right? But I think that that's really important, but also like socioeconomic and, um, you know, just kids who don't get as much. And now I'm like questioning, this is like now it's turning into an Isle brain. Cause now I'm just like, well, how can I tell anyone if they're getting, you know, if they're good, right? It's all bullshit. This, thanks Isle of. Thanks um, Isle. Yeah. You just psychoanalyze yourself constantly. But I just, you know, I, I think there's a part of me that watches as, as all as the, the work that I've done uh, with youth ministry, which I would never want to go back to because I don't really care about church. But um, I just I just love creating spaces, especially with for kids where they feel like they're seen, they're known, and they're important. And I don't necessarily know if we carve out that much time for children anymore like that. I think people are intentional to do it, but I don't really know if it's The way in which everyone lives this in this world right now, if we do it, yeah. So I don't know what that job would be, but um, yeah, I, I think I think that's something that I would really I would really love to do. Um, And then I like have like I have like such a love affair with like middle school. Ralston and I were talking about this like weirdo. She does too. Weirdo loves
1: middle school kids. So do I. Can't get enough. I know, just, I just, the most awkward, they're magical.
0: Right, but they're, and and as I said in a previous, they're also malleable still, like they're not mm-hmm. fully formed, but they're like, they've got, they've got ideas, they've got a lot of opinions, but like they're willing to kind of hear you out. So, but they're also like, they're like the sad, the people that people are like, I would never want to teach them. You know, it's like, like give they're it They're missing you. out. Yeah, giving these weirdos to me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, I, I don't, there's a part of me that's like, well, I mean, I should just like be a teacher. I have no idea, but that doesn't make money. Okay. So I like this question. I, I would be a professional Facebook fun. stalker. Oh, interesting. But, yeah, people?
1: I can, For Pete, just, like, you know, so like, here's a perfect example. Okay. Someone, uh, a friend, Laura got a message that a package was coming to the house and she said, we don't know where this address is, it's probably a bomb. And then I looked up the address and then I found out when the house was renovated. And then I found out that there was someone with a DBA a doing business as address at the house. And then I found out who that person was and it was uh, someone who makes fancy popcorn. And I said, you're getting fancy popcorn delivered to your house. And she said, so it's Um. not a bomb. And then two days later, It was popcorn and she was like hey how did you do that and i was like it's my dream job do you have a question let me find it for you on the world wide web because i love being right and i love yes (laughs) and i love deep googles
0: that but so what's so funny about that is that makes me so uncomfortable like my yeah, sure. worst nightmare is if you were like, like if I was dating someone and you were like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to take a little d- dive. And I'm not saying, cause I would find anything out bad. I just. but I could c- tell you like, what their middle school voted as like their class song.
1: And like, but why would you, like you want to know for your, that? But
0: here's the question. Do you like that for your own life too? Or do you like to do it for other people? Other people. Oh, see, I never, and
1: like. That's what I'm saying. See, I've grounded myself from googling since getting sick like i have a rule that there's one website i'm allowed to pull medical facts from and it's the nih and if it's not from nih then it's not scholarly and it's not peer-reviewed and therefore i can't read it and so
0: fauci would be proud of you
1: yeah that's been so like my googling is weak and not fun but if i can tell you what your packages and that it's not a bomb but it's popcorn yeah you will like it and
0: like and like that's the stuff that I'm into maybe maybe it's not the like I want to find out you know like I don't know I don't know you know people whose relationships people I mean I feel like that's primarily what a lot of people do when they like do like internet like research we'll just call instead of stalking Mm. but like I've had packages where I'm just like what is this? Like, you know, and then I like try to trace it back to like the, the like or, origin thing. And I'm like, okay, well these five companies ship with that. I mean, so that's the sort of thing that like, it feels it's my jam it's basically like, cause I'm a two as well. Although I barely know anything about the Enneagram. Um, it's like organized, like you're just giving people information that they need to know.
1: That's how I see it. Like I'd be, a, I think I'd be a really good real estate agent. Cause I'd be like, actually someone was murdered in this house in the 1700s. Like, are you okay with ghosts? Do you love ghosts? If you're okay with a ghost, they will cook with you in this kitchen where this person was murdered. Like, get on with it.
0: <laughs> but That's if you're not okay with it, we'll find another property for you.
1: We'll just find another property and I'll sell this ghost house to a real ghost hunter.
0: My final question for you is, do you truly believe, and actually this is a trick question, that there are any homes in the well i guess besides new ones that are free of any sort of death Mm. the reason why i say it's trick is because of the fact that basically like massacres happened literally everywhere everywhere yeah
1: like like, we're just like building all the soil is blood yeah we're building on stolen land so no um but if you eliminated that from the equation to say yeah. in the structure as yeah. is built, I believe, yeah. yes. But I do believe, okay. you know, a contractor is gonna accidentally hit their, hit a hammer on their thumb and they're gonna yell some bad juju into your walls. So I don't think it's a bad idea to do what makes your home feel new to you, new world. Our Our homeowner died in our house and he right. haunted us by killing my car battery. Um, cause I thought he was anti-gay, but then he got a lot of gay mail. And then I was like, maybe you're not anti-gay. But anyway, Del, uh, I know you're listening cause you're in this basement. Hello.
0: He hey, Del, Anyways, he probably
1: feels life. bad for me when I had to come down here with COVID. He was like, Oh, I'll, I'll leave her alone now.
0: She's, she's having a go. She's trying her best. Yeah. <laughs> Doing well, her darndest. Wow. Thank you so much for, for this, for your, for your, just your openness. Your chronic illness. Thank you yeah. to your body. Wow, she showed d- up. Can't wait to can't wait to hear what's next and when you go to Baylor. Me neither. Oh my God! So I will again. I'm just going to keep saying thank you, and I will talk yeah. to you sometime in the near future, probably in like ten minutes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: I am so lucky to know such incredible, thoughtful people. And I thank you for listening. Come back soon for another episode of It's Just You and Me.